The following is Lacey Kruger's talk, The Anatomy of a Content Model, from the 2015 Information Architecture Summit. Welcome everyone to The Anatomy of a Content Model. I am Lacey, and today, in the next 20 minutes, you are going to learn how to create content models. So let's start just by defining a content model. A content model is, for the purposes of this talk, a document defining the structure of each content type and the user experience for content authors and editors within a CMS or content management system. So why is this important? It's kind of the back-end technical side of the website, which a lot of times we as designers don't think a ton about. But it's really important because I think we've all had the experience in our lifetime as designers where we've designed a beautiful website, we've launched it, and three or six months later, we go to the website, and it looks a little bit more like this. Well, this is a problem with the structure of the content. You can really minimize the risk of this happening, of a client mucking up your website through the process of content modeling and by integrating it into your design process. So this is another reason it's important to content model. This is a WYSIWYG editor, which we all probably know. This is a great tool to allow non-technical website administrators to build web pages. But the challenge with this tool is that it's focused on a web page. It's focused on a desktop experience, especially when you've got the WYSIWYG to control the entire page. So when a person puts content into a WYSIWYG like this, all of that information resides in a single field. So on the data side of it, we can't really manipulate it much because it just all is clamored into one field. With content modeling, we change from this one field approach by splitting this into multiple chunks. So we have more control over how these chunks display in different channels and different devices. We can hide images, we can move images around, we can hide and show different pieces of information. So the content modeling really allows us to structure the content and have more design control. So the case study, so this is the anatomy of a content model. So we're gonna look at an in-depth content model, probably the most complex one I've ever created, and pick it apart today. So just a little bit of background on the project. This was a website redesign for the National Military Family Association. They are a nonprofit organization that provides resources for military families. They provide healthcare information. They provide spouse employment information. They provide childcare and camps for children. So all sorts of great resources for military families. So we approached this redesign and a few kind of key things about the project to keep in mind. We're moving them to a brand new CMS or content management system. So we had a blank slate to start from, which was really nice. We were moving them from a non-responsive design to a responsive design. So they had to really rethink their content and they rewrote almost all of it. And the client was responsible for developing the sitemap. And some of you in the room might think that is a bad idea and you'd be right. <laughs> so I will show you a little bit later in the presentation why that ended up being a problem. So looking at the design, so we went through, we started the project with stakeholder interviews, did some user research, we got the sitemap from the client, and then we delivered wireframes. 
And ultimately, the design for the single page we're looking at today came out looking like this. So this is a deeper content page for their website. And a few things to note about the design. We've got the tabs that go across here. And then under each tab is a series of sections that hold different pieces of content. And those sections have varying layouts. So they all look a little bit different. Well, not all of them. They have a few different layout choices. So this is the top half of the page. And then this is the bottom half of the page, just so you can get a sense of how the layouts tend to vary. And even during the wireframing process, I was thinking ahead about the content model. So this morning we heard about systems thinking. So I was thinking about the larger system, and that's very important with content modeling, that you're thinking ahead about you know, how this content is gonna be arranged. So I was thinking these sections could get really unwieldy. If we've got 10 different layouts, you know, it could be really hard to control the content. And what I wanted to avoid was having each section be an open WYSIWYG so that we would have that problem like I showed you earlier, all that would be in one field and I couldn't control where the image displays and so forth. So I wanted to create discrete pieces of content for each section, so I limited the number of options that the client would have for those section layouts. So that's just kind of thinking ahead about it. So moving into the proposed solutions we thought about. So we had the design, I sat down with the web developer and said, okay, this is the most complex design I've ever looked at. So let's think about how we're gonna content model this for our CMS. So the first solution that she came up with was a three content type approach. The grandparent content type would be the healthcare page, the entire page. The parent content type would be each tab. And then the child content type would be each section. So you would have a different content item for each of those sections. So that was the one solution she proposed. The other solution is where the parent is the healthcare page, and then the child is the content within each tab. So this is a two content type approach. Kind of an eye chart slide here, but these were kind of the pros and cons we presented to the client on which approach we were gonna take. So the grandparent, parent, child was ideal in the developer's mind because the authoring form would be simpler because you're only authoring one section at a time and that you'd have more flexibility within each section. And that's a little bit specific to our CMS. I'll share a little bit more about that later. The big con to this and why we decided not to go this route was that it was gonna result in a lot of content items to maintain. So if you wanted to edit section three of the tab on the healthcare page, you'd have to navigate to the healthcare folder and then to the TRICARE folder and then to section three. So there's just a lot of individual content items to maintain. And the client really hated that idea. So we ended up going with the two content type approach where each tab is a single content item. There's fewer content items to manage, but the authoring forms are a lot longer and more complex. The authoring forms can take a little bit of time to load too, is one of the reasons the developer was going for option one. But ultimately we landed on option two, talked through that with the client, and that's what we built. So let's look a little bit closer at the content model. So the first thing you wanna do when you're building a content model is to take your design and extract all the different metadata that you'll wanna store in discrete fields. So for this specific design, you know, we had the parent metadata, the title, and the description, that intro text would be, belong to the parent content type because it's consistent across each tab. The child titles reside within the tabs, 
So it was important to convey that to the client. They can't have a really long title for anything that's going to show in a tab. And then the sections each have their own pieces of metadata. So they have a title. They have possibly several sections of text within that section, and then perhaps an image or maybe four. <laughs> so that's kind of the beginning process of developing the content model. You also have to keep in mind some of the back-end data that you want to support the content. So categorization to relate this piece of content to other pages. And then things like promos that you want to show or hide depending on this section or page of the website. So these are some screenshots from my content model. This is a document where I document the whole content model. This document is used by the web developer to build the CMS. And it's also used to vet the requirements with the client. So we sit down with the client and go through this in excruciating detail before we build it. And this is their point of approval as well. We do this for every content type on the site. So this is just a closer glimpse at the single content type, which is actually the child content type I was talking about earlier. So we start by defining the content type and writing a little description of it. And then we define what we call the single display template for that content type. And that's the template for a single item of that content type. So for a single section page, we have a variety of different layout choices they can choose. So I've written the document here so that the developer can use it to write some conditional code. So if the layout is half width image on the right, I show these fields. If it's something else, I show these fields. So there's five options the client has to choose layouts. The most complex of the five options is this small image plus text callouts right here. So for this specific layout, the client can have up to four images and up to four text boxes. So we had to add all those fields to every section in case the client wants to use that specific layout choice. So the second thing we define for each content type is what we call a list display template, which is a list of multiple items of that content type. And in this case, it's the tabs. So it's the tabs you saw across the page. That's a list of multiple sectioned content pages, basically. And then we get into the fields, the, all the different pieces of metadata for this content type. So we define the field name. We define the type of field it is. So what kind of data are you putting in this field? And then this description column is really important because this is what winds up as the authoring instructions on the form. So we get to design out the whole kind of user experience the authors are having by going through this process. You'll see in this specific example that I've got you know, the title of the item. I have some text here warning them that they have to keep it really short because it's going to go in a tab, possibly. And then you'll see these kind of include items or fields for global design elements that might exist at the bottom of the page. And then we get into the content sections. And there's five sections. And they all have the same fields. And you select a layout first, and then you enter the fields. So this deliverable was approved by the client and built. And this is a screenshot from the actual authoring form. So this is the section content page. You'll see the authoring instructions are over here below the field name. And then the field types correspond to what I had in the plan. So this is a screenshot from my company's proprietary CMS. But you can do the same process and implement this on a CMS like Drupal. 
So any CMS that allows you to customize the authoring experience, you can have the say and design the content model, which is really great. So there's the toggle for get involved, donate, the sponsors, kind of the global page elements are at the top. And then we get into the content sections. And there's a layout selector first, and then the title, the images, and then four text fields. And you'll notice that all the fields are optional. So it allows for some flexibility within each layout. So there's the rest of the four text sections. And you'll see these are WYSIWYGs. So a WYSIWYG is okay, but it's just keeping it to just a chunk of content and not putting a lot of other data in there is what's key. So this is content section two. I won't show you the rest. So the challenges that we encountered when we worked through this project, the first one was that our rich text fields that I was just showing you have a 4,000 character limit, which is about 500 words. The client ran up against that a few times when they were publishing content. And that was one of the reasons the developer has suggested the grandparent, parent, child model, because if the section was its own content item, we would not run up against that limit. So that was just kind of specific to our system, and the client ended up just curating and editing their content to bring it down more concise, which was probably a good idea for their responsive site anyway. The next challenge we ran into was that they asked us to add two additional sections. So they had so much content that they needed more sections on several pages. And our developer pushed back on this because she was worried that the load time would get unwieldy for them, that it would take too long for that authoring form to load when they had the two extra sections. So we just pushed back on that and they were able to work around it by editing their content. The third challenge we ran into was that they asked for the ability to insert videos which is not in and of itself a problem, but we just hadn't planned for that with this specific content model. So looking at this tab here, so this is the mission tab. They wanted to have a video perhaps in each tab. And the way we worked around this was by modifying the image content type and adding a URL field to it so that they could add a URL for an image. And if the URL starts with YouTube or Vimeo, then it launches that little player. And if it's just a basic URL, you know, it just links like normal behavior. So that was a pretty simple workaround. The next challenge that we had was that they asked us to put tabs within tabs, which was just really scary from a UX perspective, especially because the tabs stick to the top of the page under this bar. And so I just kind of got on a WebEx and demonstrated to them, if these tabs are stuck to the top of the page, what happens to these tabs down here? And, they cringed as well, and so they were able to edit their content again to get around that challenge. And then the last challenge was that they ended up, this was a result of them providing their sitemap. So they didn't know that they were gonna need eight tabs on a page, and we had agreed to a limit of five tabs, and they had been diehard that that was enough, and so sure enough, they end up with eight tabs. And so we just designed a discrete page for this with a two layer, two rows of tabs, which is showing us three here. Not ideal, but this is a resources page, so it works for that one use case. So we were able to get around that. The client's really happy, which is great. They've been live for a few months, and I got a quick quote from them. So the feedback from our staff, volunteers, and users has been great. It definitely was a learning curve the first week, but overall has been a major improvement to the organization of our content. So the client's really happy. Again, I said this was the most complex 
content model I've designed, and I'm really glad it's working out for them. So that's the end. I think we have four minutes for questions. So if anybody has any questions, you can go for it. I also quickly have a resources slide at the back if you want more content. Karen McGrain is an excellent speaker and writer about adaptive content. And then there's this great book, Content Everywhere, about adaptive content as well. Any questions? Thank you. I'm curious about naming conventions of all those discrete chunked content pieces. Did you get into that? Is that someone else's job? Part of the idea is to store them for reuse later. Is that true? Or is it all just about the design end of things? So are you talking about naming conventions for the sections or for each piece of metadata? For each piece of text in each photo, like did you get into specific naming conventions so that later someone could look at all those pieces of content and know what they were that, in a database or something? Well, we, so we set up a folder structure for the client, so we try to organize folders for them and train them on you know, how to name images in a way that they'll be able to find them later. We, our CMS has a really powerful search tool, so we rely on that a lot for them to go back and edit images and such, but we usually don't have enough hours to get into the details of naming conventions, and the clients typically manage it fine with the search tools. Did you have to go through multiple revisions of this model? Like, was there an iterative process to make sure it actually fit all of the content and stuff like that? <laughs> yes. So our lead web developer vetted this approach with me, and then someone else was assigned to build it. And he was new to the company. And so as he was building it, he ran into all of these questions about requirements and came back to me. And I actually changed the model a little bit so that the tabbed page, I have a separate content type for the healthcare page. So I had to add that in later. I was like, oh, I didn't think about how you were gonna drop this onto the other page. It wound up being that separate content type. And that was something I discovered through the process for sure. And then as the client started using it, we had to make a few modifications as well. So I was a little bit confused on when you were talking about how you select the way that it was designed. There was a layout selection, and then you filled out the fields based on the layout selection. So when you say layout, are you talking about responsive design layout, like mobile, tablet, desktop? Or is that something else? Because intuitively, I was thinking, oh, you should just fill out the fields, and that should be kind of layout agnostic. Right. That's a good question. So. The layout selections are specifically what drive how the content lays out in each section. So one of them is the image on the right, and one of them is the images on the left. They're all responsive. The website's responsive. So we have a design that shows how that layout works in responsive. So we have a model for that. But when the client selects a layout, it's like, this is the content I have for this section. What layout will work best for me? Do I need an image? Do I need four images? Do I need? Yeah, it's more like a template selection. Yeah. All right, I think we're at time. I'll be out in the hallway if anybody else wants to grab me for questions. Thank you so much.
you enjoyed this podcast from the 2015 IA Summit, subscribe and check out the full collection at library.iasummit.org and on iTunes. The 2015 IA Summit podcasts are brought to you by the UIE All You Can Learn Library. The All You Can Learn Library will give you the skills and techniques you need for a competitive design advantage with 24-7 access to experts and UX topics. For more information, visit aycl.uie.com. That's aycl.uie.com. As always, thanks for listening.